الطرق ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide Him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. This evening, Bismillahi ta'ala, in lecture number 43 from the Sharh of the explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed al-Lazi huwa haqqullah ala al-Abid by al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Sulaiman al-Tamimi al-Najdi Rahimahullah, we will take the chapter which he has entitled Babun Qawlullahi Ta'ala Walillahi Al-Asma Al-Husna Fada'uhu Biha To the end of the ayah from Surah Al-A'raq, chapter 7, verse 180. This chapter is entitled The Saying of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Walillahi Al-Asma Al-Husna That the names, the beautiful names of perfection, that they belong to Allah alone. Yani the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are names of perfection. And the degree of perfection, that is the highest degree of perfection of those names, it is the right of Allah alone. No one else can be named with those names. Imagining that those names contain a meaning that is applicable to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the degree of perfection, to the highest degree. وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءِ الْحُسْنَى That the, the names of perfection, they are the right of Allah alone. Even if someone else is named with any of those names, but its meaning is not applicable to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the characteristic that is contained in it to the degree of perfection. It is only for Allah. So he said, after establishing the fact that these names, beautiful names of perfection, that they are, they belong to Allah alone, then he ordered the believers, فَدَعُوهُ بِهَا Then call on him, call on him, that is call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by these names. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sari al-Uthaymeen, in his explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed, mentioned in the introduction to this chapter, that this chapter it is connected to Tawheed and Asma wa Sifat. This chapter is related to the Tawheed of Allah's names and characteristics, Asma wa Sifat. And that is because this book, Kitab al-Tawheed, is a comprehensive book including all of the divisions or the three divisions of Tawheed. Tawheed al-Ibadah or Tawheed al-Ubudiyah, and the Tawheed which requires that we acknowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who is entitled to be worshipped and Tawheed al-Rububiyyah the Tawheed which 
requires of us to acknowledge and recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only Rabb, Creator and Lord of the universe and Tawheed al-Asma'u al-Sifat which is what this chapter is dealing with that is the acknowledgement that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alone in being named by these names of perfection and these characteristics, these lofty and perfect characteristics and then the Shaykh says, before going on to a lengthy discussion he says that Tawheed al-Asma'u al-Sifat in brief its meaning is to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that which he has confirmed for himself of the characteristics of perfection the characteristics of perfection in a way that we understand them to be in reality and in the reality of these words of perfection So the Shaykh, the Shaykh is saying that uh, here that the general meaning of Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat is his singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that which he has confirmed for himself of the perfect characteristics or descriptions in a way that we understand them in their reality without tamthil and without taqif and without ta'afil tamthil it means to make examples of those things in the creation to describe Allah by examples of that which is in the creation and taqif means to ask about or to try to explain the how of Allah's characteristics how they are in reality and in ta'afil it means to empty the characteristics of Allah or the names of Allah of their meanings the first evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions, the first evidence that he mentions is that ayah from Surah Al-A'raf, which he entitled the chapter by, that for Allah are the beautiful names of perfection, therefore call on him by them. In this ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a number of things. The first of them is the affirmation that the names, the beautiful names of perfection, belong to him alone وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءَ husna. and the second thing is that we should call on him by those names فَدَعُوهُ بِهَا and that we should ask Allah of our needs we should call on him and supplicate him by using those names as a means of tawassul getting near to Allah and having our needs answered by calling on him by his names then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to avoid and to stay away from and to not follow the path of those who do not affirm his names who deviate in the matter of establishing or confirming his names he said وَذَارُوا الَّذِينَ يُلْحِدُونَ فِي أَسْمَائِهِ وَذَارُوا leave them, abandon them, turn away from them that means don't follow their way and don't act as they act or believe as they believe and if you cannot convince them to correct themselves, then leave them alone completely. Those who deviate concerning the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And al-had, it means to go away from, or to incline away from the truth that is confirmed. And of course, in reference to the names of Allah, and the characteristics of Allah, that which is confirmed is that which is found in the Qur'an. And the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, whoever deviates or turns away from them, either by denying them outright or reinterpreting their meanings to other than the reality that is understood clearly in the Arabic language then this is Al-Had 
to outright deny the names or characteristics of Allah or to deny their meaning by reinterpreting them. Then he said, closing this ayat, سَيُجَزَوْنَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ yani as a warning to those who commit ilhad or deviation in the names and characteristics of Allah, he said, indeed, they will be rewarded for what they do, for what they have done. سَيُجَزَوْنَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Meaning in the next life, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them in accordance with their actions. Yani the reward being in accordance with the deed. Sheikh Muhammad Al-Qur'awi Hafidhullah says the general meaning of this ayat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us in this ayat that he has names which have reached the highest degree of perfection Al-Asma Al-Husna and that for every one of those names there is also a characteristic a sifa a characteristic of perfection for every ism it also contains a characteristic or a description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani Allah's names are not only names that He is called upon by, but they also indicate a description or a characteristic that is contained in that name which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described with to the degree of perfection. The highest of those characteristics and the most perfect of them. Then He says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides us to seek from him to yani, seek his nearness to him and to ask our needs of him by his name to seek to get near to him by calling on him by his names and to seek to have our needs answered by calling on him by his names so that we will have we will, it will be more likely that our needs will be answered and that it will be nearer to the things that we ask for being fulfilled. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to avoid Ahlul Ilhad, the people of Ilhad, the people who submitted Ilhad and At-Tahrif, those who deviated in reference to the names, the affirmation of the real meaning of the names and characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and distorted their meanings. They deviated Al-Ilhad and one of the types of Ilhad is Tahrif, to distort the meanings of the names or the characteristics of Allah. Then, finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He threatened them and He warned them that He will reward them on Yawm Qiyamah for their ilhad, for their deviation, and for their tahrif, for their distortion. Then the Shaykh says that from this ayat, there are four benefits. The first of them is from this ayat, we know that we are required to affirm the Beautiful names of perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's bad or confirmation of Al-Asma Al-Husna for Allah alone. Number two, that it is legislated in the Sharia to, to perform At-Tawassul, to get near to Allah. To get near to Allah, to have our needs fulfilled by calling on Him by His beautiful names of perfection. In that ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after saying that He has the beautiful names of perfection, He said, فَدْعُوهُ biha." He ordered the believers to call on Him. It is a command. We are ordered to call on Him. And the, the ways, the, ma- the means of tawassul are divided into two types. A tawassul that is allowed, jaiz, and a tawassul that is prohibited, muharram, and 
the tawassal or getting near to Allah that is allowed is calling on Allah by his names and characteristics or asking for our needs or seeking to get near to him by doing good deeds al-amal al-salihah or by asking the believers from amongst the believers those who are near to Allah close to Allah or who are those who appear to be righteous to supplicate for us as they used to ask the Prophet ﷺ in his lifetime to supplicate for them and after his death they used to ask his uncle Al-Abbas anhu to supplicate for them when they were in need and other types of tawassal or seeking to get near to Allah are prohibited the third point he said the obligation of avoiding and abandoning the mulhideen those who deviate in the names of Allah and his characteristics and his characteristics if we find that there's no way to correct them and to reform them and to bring them back to the right way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered وَذَرُوا الَّذِينَ يُلْحِدُونَ فِي أَسْمَائِهِ ذَرُوا leave them, avoid them, abandon them and the fourth point he said the prohibition of al-ilhad in the names of Allah and his characteristics and that it is haram to commit such, such an act and he said from the types of ilhad he mentions two and there are many from amongst them is naming Allah with that which he has not named himself yani giving Allah a name which he has not given to himself and also negating what Allah has confirmed for himself from the names or perfect characteristics and yani negating what Allah has affirmed for himself this is a second type of ilhad then the shaykh says the relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion is that this ayat indicates the prohibition of al-ilhad deviation in the matter of the names of Allah and his characteristics uh, by negating them or reinterpreting them or the other ways that will be mentioned in the note then he says the relationship of this ayat to the general topic of al-tawheed is that this ayat prohibits al-ilhad in reference to the names and characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from the types of ilhad is naming the creatures with the names of Allah yani naming something from the creation with the names that belong to Allah alone this is also a type of ilhad and likewise naming Allah with the names of the creatures yani giving Allah names that belong to the creatures such as calling Allah al-ab father which is a name that belongs to creatures, not to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of this is shirk in asma, in the names of Allah and His characteristics. is a type of shirk, a violation of tawheed in the asma Allah wa sifati. Then Shaykh al-Qara'awi, hafidhullah, says, and he mentions some notes, mulahadat. The first of them, and all of them, they are related to the matters of Tawheed in Asma wa Sifat. The first of them is that the levels of Ihsa, Al Ihsa of the names of Allah, and this Ihsa it means to enumerate or to count or to memorize the names of Allah. The levels of Ihsa, as it is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet, Inna Lillahi Tis'atun wa Tis'ina Ismin, that indeed Allah has 99 names. مَنْ أَحْصَاهَا دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ Whoever أَحْصَاهَا يعني Whoever enumerates them, counts them, comes to know those names, 99 of Allah's names, then they would enter paradise. And of course, we have mentioned this hadith previously. It is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abu Huraira. And the meaning of this hadith is not 
that Allah has only 99 names. But it means He has many names, and from amongst them, there are 99, which if anybody ihsaha, yani, enumerates them, then they would enter the paradise. The Shaykh says that there are three levels of, of al-ihsa. The first of them is counting or enumerating the names of Allah, knowing the expressions that are used for the names of Allah. Yani that from the names of Allah is al-alim, al-hakim, al-azim, and so on. Knowing these expressions, these words, that represent the names of Allah. And counting them, yani meaning, according to this hadith, 99 of them. Whoever knows 99 of them, then this is part of al-ihsa. The second level of ihsa, it is understanding their meanings and that which they indicate or point to. Not only knowing what those names are, but understanding what is the meaning of those names and what they indicate. What do they point to? The meanings that they indicate. And the third, it is calling on Allah by them. A dua. Calling on Allah by these names. And this dua, as we mentioned on numerous occasions, a dua is of two types. Dua al-mas'ala, calling on Allah, meaning asking for our needs. Calling on Him, asking for our needs and using those names as a means of tawassal to get our needs answered. And the other type of dua is dua al-ibadah. And that means uh, worshipping Allah by praising Him and by knowing His names and knowing their meanings and acting in accordance with the meaning of those names, what they represent. And if we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Alim, He is the one who knows everything, then acting in accordance with that name means that we should act in a way that is an acknowledgement that Allah knows what we are doing. Allah knows what we are doing. If we know that Allah knows what we are doing, how will we act? We will not act like the one who thinks that he is hiding and he can do something secretly and he will not be called to account for it. So these are the levels of Al-Ihsa. It is number one, knowing the names of Allah. Number two, knowing their meanings and what they represent. And number three, worshipping Allah according to those names. Yani supplicating him by those names and also acting in accordance with the meanings of them. The second note that he makes is that some of the names of Allah, it is permissible to use them or to apply them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala singly, yani alone, to call Allah Al-Hakim, for example. To mention this name alone without adding to it another name. And some of them, uh, also, they are used together. They may be used together such as Al-Sami' Al-Basir, that Allah is the one who is all hearing and all seeing joining them together. This is also permissible. And some of the names of Allah cannot be used except that they are joined together. They cannot be used except when they are joined together one name with the name that goes along with it. Yani the example he gives here is Ad-Dar and nafir That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who can cause harm and the one who can give benefit. And these names should not be used singly, but they should always be joined together. So some of the names of Allah may be used singly, some of them may be joined together, and some of them must be joined together. They cannot be used alone. Uh, then the Shaykh says, the third point, the third note, is that the main rule in reference to the Tawheed of Asma was Sifat, the names of Allah and His characteristic, and the basic rule is that we apply to Allah those names or characteristics which He has applied to Himself. And we call Allah by those names and describe Him by those characteristics which He has named Himself with or described Himself with 
or that which the Prophet ﷺ have named him with or described him with. And we negate or nullify that which he has negated from himself or that which the Messenger of Allah ﷺ has negated from him. Yani affirming what he has affirmed and negating what he has negated and remaining silent about that which Allah and his Messenger ﷺ have been silent, silent about. Yani if Allah has not spoken about something, we don't speak about it. If the Prophet ﷺ has not spoken about it, then we don't speak about it. So this rule is it's that and nafi, affirming what Allah has affirmed and negating what he has negated and remaining silent about that which there is no text for. The fourth note that he makes is that it is not permissible. It is not permissible to extract for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala names from those actions which he has informed he has used to inform about himself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used he has described himself with performing certain actions and he has not named himself with a name that is applicable to that action. Therefore it is not our right, it's not permissible to name Allah according to a description of one of his actions that he has not named himself with and then call that name as one of the beautiful names of perfection, Al-Asma Al-Husna. And if for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot be named with the name Al-Sani' and the one who manufactures or Al-Fa'il, the one who does something. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be described as with this action, but he cannot be named with such a name because he has not named himself with this name. And many other descriptions that came in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah that Allah descends in the last part of the night and, and we cannot say that Allah, because he yanzil, he descends in the last part of the night, that he is, his name is An-Nazil. Nor because Allah is pleased with the believers, radiallahu anhum, we cannot say that Allah is Ar-Radi, the one who is pleased. We cannot say that is a name for him. And likewise, Al-Mutakallam, we cannot say that this is a name for Allah, but indeed Allah may be described with speaking, as He has described Himself with speaking, but He has not named Himself with such a name. The last uh, note that He makes is in reference to Al-Ilhad, or deviation, or denial, and the denial of what Allah has affirmed for Himself, or what the Prophet ﷺ has affirmed for Him, denying that, or deviating from it, Al-Inhirafihi, or Neel, and turning away from it, to some other meanings or interpretations or denying them outright, he said that the types of al-ilhad are five. The first of them is naming the idols, as Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu mentioned in that which is coming, naming the idols with something of the names of Allah, and something from the names of Allah, giving the idols a name from a name from Allah, like they did with Allah. They named him, they named that idol Allah from the name al-ilah or from the name Allah. They extracted a name from the names of Allah, they extracted a name for their idols. Uh, the second type is naming Allah with, with that which is not suitable or fitting to His Majesty and His glory. And giving Him a name that is not fitting for Him like the Christians have done in naming Him the Father. And like the philosophers have done by naming Him Illatul Fa'il. Yani Illat al-fa'il, the cause, illat al the cause for, for things to happen. For the cause and the one that does something. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not named himself with such a name. The third type is describing Allah with a description. Yani naming him with a name that is not suitable for him. And this one, describing him with a description that he is 
Yani that is below him, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highly exalted and above and pure and free from such descriptions as the descriptions of imperfection or defective uh, descriptions as that which was said by the evil from amongst the Jews when they said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rested on Yom al on Saturday, that he rested and they said that his hands are tied and such descriptions that are not fitting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's perfection, birth and, glor- and glory. The fourth type of ilhad it is ta'atil. That is, inactivating or negating the meaning from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and denying their realities. And in negating their meanings or denying their reality, like the saying of the Jahmiyyah, a deviant group that spread from amongst the Muslims in the early days, uh, they said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Sami'un bila Sam'ah. That his name is Sami'un, the all-hearing, but without actually having hearing, without the description of hearing. It is just a name, without any meaning. And they said that he is Hayyun bila Hayat. That he is named with Hay, the one who has perfect life. However, he's only a name. It's not a sifa or a description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is a name for him. He's Hayyun, but it is not a description for him. Yani, the perfect life, Hayatim, al Kamila. Uh, the fifth type is tashbih or tamthil. Is it tashbih? However, tamthil, any of the scholars use these two words almost interchangeably in reference to asma wa sifat, but the more, the closer description to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions about himself in the Quran is tamthil. Yani, tashbih, it means compare, comparison, comparing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the creatures, and tamthil means taking examples from something in the creation to describe Allah. This is also a type of ilhad. Tashbih, making a comparison between the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the characteristics of his creatures. And the truth of the matter is that we have to affirm for Allah his names and characteristics without any comparison to anything in the creation. And there are many other rules related to any of this topic of Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat. However, and we will suffice with this and perhaps we have mentioned some of them previously in other discussions. Uh, before going on to the next point, also there is an important note which he has not mentioned, and Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih Uthaymeen has mentioned concerning denial of the names of Allah's characteristics. He said that al-jahat is sifat no'an, yani denial of the sifat of Allah of two types, jahat takdeeb, jahat takdeeb, which is outright denying the sifat of Allah or any sifa of Allah which is what he has confirmed for himself and this outright denial this is kufr because it is a denial of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said about himself or what the Prophet has said about him the other type is jahad ta'wil ta'wil it is not outright negation but it is reinterpretation yani interpreting the sifa or the characteristic in a way that is not confirmed there is no proof for it in the sharia jahad Tahwil, reinterpretation. And this is kufr also. If, if there is no way that that interpretation can be understood from the Arabic language. There is no way that it can be understood from the Arabic language, then it is kufr. However, if it is possible that that meaning could be understood in the Arabic language, however, there is no evidence in the Sharia for that meaning. But it could be understood in Arabic language, 
In that case it is not kufr, but it is fisk. It is fisk. It is less than kufr. But it is sinful. Because the person has interpreted a sifa of Allah in a way that there is no proof in the sharia. Even though it could be understood in the Arabic language to have that meaning. So it is not outright kufr. Because there is some indication of it in the Arabic language. However, there is no proof for it in the sharia. Therefore it is not kufr, but it is fisk. If there is no indication of it in the Arabic language, then that interpretation, interpreting one of the sifat of Allah in a way that cannot be understood in the Arabic language, is kufr. Just as the outright denial, takdeeb, is kufr. Then the Shaykh, uh, Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, mentions two sayings, or three sayings, from amongst the Sahaba and Tabi'een, related to this topic of Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat. The first of them is that which was mentioned by Ibn Abi Hatim, Rahimahullah, from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, in which he said, Yulhiduna fi asma'ihi, concerning this ayat, that they deviate in reference to the names of Allah, he said the meaning of it is, is yushrikun, is shirk. And this deviation is shirk, shirk in Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat. Al-Shaykh Al-Qur'awi, Hafizahullah, he says that the relationship of this Athar of Ibn Abbas to the topic under discussion and the general topic of Tawheed is that this statement or interpretation of this ayat by Ibn Abbas that Al-Had here it means shirk he said that this makes us to know that it was the opinion of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma that Al-Had in the Asma of Allah in the names of Allah it is in fact a type of shirk this shirk any associating something or making something equal or offering to other than Allah that which is his exclusive right then he said وَعَنْهُ سَمَّوُ اللَّاتِ مِنَ الْإِلَاهِ وَالْعُزَّةِ مِنَ الْعَزِيزِ يعني also it is reported from Ibn Abi Hatim رحمه الله that Abdul ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما said that they named Allah and in the pagan Quraysh they named Allah from one of the names of Allah Al-Ilah or Allah according to some of the scholars and Al-Uzza they named from the name of Allah Al-Aziz and the relationship to this Asr the relationship of this Asr to the chapter and discussion and general topic of Tawheed is that it indicates to us or it makes us to know that Ibn Abbas held the opinion that naming the idols with the names of Allah or that which has been extracted from the names of Allah that this is Ilhad in the names of Allah and it has been confirmed that Al-Ilhad in the names of Allah according to his previous statement that it is Shirk and the last Athar that he mentions is from An Al-A'mash Rahimahullah and Al-A'mash was a great scholar from amongst the early generation of Muslims who died near to the middle of the second century around 147 his name was Suleiman ibn Mahran Abu Muhammad al-Kufi and he was a great scholar of fiqh fiqh hafiz a reliable narrator of hadith and a hafiz memorizer of hadith and also a righteous pious man he said that concerning this al-had he said yudkhiluna fiha ma laysa minha that the that they add to or they enter into the names of Allah ma laysa minha that which is not from it and they have added names to the names of Allah that are not from his names and that means naming Allah with something that he has not confirmed for himself or the Prophet has not confirmed for him then it is also a type of ilhad and a type of shirk in asma wa sifat and the relationship to the, of this effort to the chapter and the general topic of a tawheed 
that it makes us to know that Al-A'mash, Rahimahullah, he held the opinion that naming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that which he has not named himself is Ilhad in Al-Asma. And it has already been confirmed in the statement of Ibn Abbas that Ilhad in the names of Allah is Shirk. Then Shaykh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, Rahimahullah, at the end of this chapter, he mentioned Masail. And from amongst those Masail or important issues, the first of them is the confirmation. It's that al-asma, the confirmation of the names of Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the perfect names, perfect, the beautiful names of perfection. And the second issue is qawluha husna, that the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they are all beautiful names. Husna is the feminine of ahsan. So it means the most, the highest degree of husn, yani the degree of perfection that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one who alone is entitled to be described with these names in accordance with their meaning of the highest degree of perfection. The third issue he mentions Al Amru Biduahi Biha that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani we understood from this chapter that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to supplicate or to call on him by these names. And we said that dua is of two types, al-mas'ala wal-ibadah, yani calling on Allah for our needs, and calling on Allah by worshipping Him, yani by praising Him, or acting, or doing those things which are forms of worship in order to get near to Him and to have our needs fulfilled. The fourth issue is abandoning or leaving those who, uh, those who deviate from amongst the ignorant people who deviated concerning the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here, Shaykh Muhammad, rahimahullah, says, leaving open, leaving open their way, and leaving them, abandoning them, means it doesn't mean that we should not try to invite them to the right way, or we should not try to clarify for them the right way. Uh, But we should, we should try to call them to the right way if we can, otherwise we should not follow their way. We should not travel the path that they travel in, uh, believing as they believe or doing what they have done. And this is also, he said, a threat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he told the believers to leave them, to abandon them. Yeah, and it is a threat that abandon them because they will be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the fifth point is the explanation of al-hajj. And that we have discussed already in detail, the, the meaning of al-had, deviation, from that which has been confirmed of the truth in reference to Allah's names and characteristics and the types that we have already mentioned. Number six, the threat of those who commit al-had or deviation in the names of Allah. And this is understood from the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, سَيُجْزَوْنَ مَا كَانُوا That they will be rewarded. And they will be punished in accordance with what they have done. They will be punished accordingly or their deviation in reference to the names of Allah and His characteristics. Just quickly, the questions at the end of this chapter, yani, discuss the general meaning of this verse. Yani, the general meaning of this verse contains a number of points. The first of them is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirms that the beautiful names to the degree of perfection are His right alone. The second of them is that He has ordered us to call on Him by these names. The third of them is that he has ordered us to abandon those who deviate in reference to his names. And the fourth of them is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has threatened or warned those who deviate in his names that they will be punished. 
Number two, what are the types of dua understood from the words فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا So fall on him by them. We said that there are two, dua and mas'ala. And he's asking Allah for our needs by using his names, by saying, Allah forgive, Ya Ghafoor, Faghfirli. Oh, the one who is forgiving, forgive me. Or, and so on. The one who is merciful, have mercy on me. Or the one who is powerful, protect me, and so on. Pulling on Allah by his name. Then the second of them is dua, alibada, means, and he's praising Allah. Or, by acting or doing those acts of worship which would earn nearness to him to have our needs fulfilled. What is the relationship of this topic to a tawheed? Yani, the relationship to this topic of this topic to tawheed is that we are ordered or we are it is made clear here that the perfect names that they belong to Allah alone. And whoever deviates in this matter by not affirming what he has affirmed or by reinterpreting them or negating them and so on, all of this is the negation of tawheed and asma wa sifat and that is the relationship this topic to a tawheed. Can Allah be named a nazil, the one who descends, since he has this sifat? I mean, since Allah has been described by the Prophet as descending in the last third of the night, then since he has been described with this characteristic, can he be named with a name that comes from that characteristic, a nazil? And we said that not all of the characteristics of Allah that he has described himself with in reference to his actions can be used to name Allah. We cannot make a name from every characteristic. Although the opposite is true, that every name of Allah contains a characteristic, but not every characteristic can Allah be named by. So we cannot name Allah in Nazil or Radi or Al Mustawin, because He has described Himself as descending and being pleased and ascending above His throne. Because He ascended above the throne, we cannot say He is the ascending one, Al Mustawin, and so on. Number five, how many? Asma al-Husna, or beautiful names of perfection, does Allah have? And we said that the hadith which was mentioned concerning Allah having 99 names, whoever, Ahsaha dakhal al-Jannah, that it doesn't mean that Allah, His names are limited to 99. Actually, the number of the names of Allah are unknown. We don't know how many names Allah has. However, we know that it is more than 99 because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said whoever memorized those 99 who knows them understands their meaning and acts in accordance with them they would enter the paradise however there are other names which we don't know and we cannot know as the Prophet sallallahu in the dua that is reported by Imam Ahmed in Musnad and the hadith is sahih he said as'aluka bi kulli ism huwa lak I ask you meaning Allah by every name that belongs to you sammayta bihi nafsak that you have named yourself with and then he describes the different types of names that belong to Allah. From amongst them are names that are known to the human beings. And from amongst them are names that are known to some, to the exclusion of others. And from amongst them are some which are only known to Allah. As he said, in making this supplication, I ask you by every name which belongs to you and which you have named yourself with. And for that which you have revealed in your book. And that which is revealed in the book can be known to everyone. Because the book, the Quran is available. أَوْ أَلَّمْتَهُ أَحَدًا مِنْ خَلْقِكَ Or that which you have taught to someone from amongst your creatures. And that would be known to some to the exclusion of others. And that wouldn't be from the 99. Or that which you have kept in the knowledge of the unseen with yourself. And that which, those names which are only with you and nobody knows. Also I call on you by those names. So from this, supplication of the Prophet we know 
that Allah has names which He has revealed in the book and anyone can know them and He has names which He has taught to some of His creatures which are not known to others and He also has names that are kept with Him في علم الغيب عنده يعني it is with Him in the knowledge of the unseen so this is the proof that Allah's names are more than 99 because 99 are those which we can come to know if we search for them and there are others besides which we don't know uh, what is meant by Ihsa Asma Allah? Yani enumerating or counting the names of Allah. What is meant by that? Ihsa Asma Allah. Whoever men Jannah, it means the one who comes to know those names. Yani can uh, know which what are the names of Allah. And number two, knowing their meanings, the meaning of those names and what they indicate. And number three, supplicating Allah by those names and worshiping Him by those names. What is the meaning of Al-Ilhad? Number seven, what is the meaning of Al-Had? Denial or deviation in reference to the names of Allah. We said that Al-Had means to separate from or to deviate from that which is confirmed of the truth. Yani that which is confirmed in the Quran and Sunnah to deviate from it. Either by outright negating it, Jahad Al-Takzib, negating it outright, or by Jahad Ta'wil, or reinterpreting it with an interpretation that is no evidence in the Sharia. Either it might be possible in the Arabic language or it may not be possible in the Arabic language. However, as long as there is no proof for it in the Sharia, then it is a type of Al-Had. Uh, number eight, what mentioned some of the different types of Al-Had in reference to the names of Allah. We said that of the types of Al-Had, and there are many, is naming Allah with the names of His speeches. Or naming the creatures with the names of Allah or that which is extracted from the names of Allah. Or describing Allah with a description that may be compared to His creatures or making examples from the creatures for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, uh, describing Allah with descriptions that are not befitting of Him, such as the Christians described Him as being a father. Uh, or emptying Allah's names of their meaning, yani negating them outright or reinterpreting them, yani resulting in the same Objective that is to negate those meanings, either outright or by reinterpretation. And lastly, number nine, discuss the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah concerning the asma, the names and sifat characteristics of Allah. This is a lengthy discussion. However, in brief, we can say the fundamental principle of the manhaj of Ahlul Sunnah concerning the names of Allah and His sifat is that the names of Allah and His characteristics. They should, that we should confirm whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed for himself and what the Prophet sallallahu has confirmed for him. And that confirmation or that should be without making tamthil or tashbih. Yani without making examples. Confirming it without making any examples to the creatures or comparisons to the creatures. Confirming it in a way that is suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second part after that it is tanzih or negating from Allah, or nafi, negating from Allah that which he has negated from himself but negation without ta'atil and without ta'awil or tahrif and negating whatever is incomplete or imperfect from Allah what Allah has negated from himself but that negation should be without emptying Allah's names or characteristics of their meaning or without reinterpreting them or distorting their meanings and these two points, the confirmation of what Allah has confirmed for himself and the negation, and the confirmation of what Allah has confirmed for Himself without making comparison, and the negation of what Allah has negated from Himself without emptying His names and characteristics of their meaning, 
they are based on the saying of Allah Laysa kamithlihi shay'un Bahuwa Samiul Basiyah Laysa kamithlihi shay'un is the negation that there is nothing like him Bahuwa Samiul Basiyah is the affirmation that while nothing is like him indeed he is the all hearing and all seeing from Surah Tushura chapter 42 verse 11 uh, the next chapter is a brief chapter containing one hadith and although it is very important and it is brief inshallah we will take it in the remaining time it is that which Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah has entitled Babun la yuqalu as-salamu ala Allah yani that you should not say it should not be said and in such words should not be expressed on the tongue of the believer As-salamu ala Allah And he's supplicating that salam Or peace or safety or security Or that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be free from imperfection We should not make a supplication for Allah in this way uh, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab In this chapter He has followed the previous chapter Which is the affirmation of the perfect names for Allah alone He has followed it with this chapter, which is the affirmation of the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's characteristics, his sifat. That Allah's sifat are free of any imperfection or defect or comparison to anything in the creation. Babun la yuqalu as-salamu ala Allah. And it's a chapter entitled that we should not say that salam is on Allah or peace be on peace be upon Allah, making such a supplication. And he mentions here the hadith, Fis-Sahih, it is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. عن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال كنا إذا كنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الصلاة يعني he said that we used to when we were with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم or praying behind him in the prayers في الصلاة and he means in التشاهد قلنا we used to say السلام That salam should be upon him. So he told them the reason why it is prohibited, and then he also gave them the correct expression. The Prophet ﷺ, the intention was a good intention. They they took it to be as a greeting, greeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, the actual meaning of it, it was unacceptable. So they said, We used to say such. We used to say, Assalamu ala Allah min ibadihi. That salam should be on Allah from his slave servants. And they also used to say As-salamu ala fulanin wa fulanin And As-salamu wa peace be upon so and so and so and so فَقَالَ نَبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to them Instructed them لَا تَقُولُوا Do not say لَا تَقُولُوا As-salamu ala Allah He prohibited them from saying so And this لَا تَقُولُوا لَا هِيَ Is لَا نَاهِيَ And this نَاهِي يَقْتَدِي ال أو that it is حرام التحريم النحي يقتدي التحريم but here the prohibition indicates that the thing which has been prohibited is outright حرام should not be done لا تقولوا السلام على الله don't say such words as السلام على الله and here the Prophet ﷺ, after prohibiting them, he also said to him, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ السَّلَامِ Because indeed Allah, He Himself is a salam. And in the remaining part of this hadith, as it was reported by Muslim, 
he also said فَإِذَا صَلَّ أَحَدُكُمْ فَلْيَقُلْ أَتَّحِيَاتُ لِلَّهِ وَالصَّلَوَاتُ وَالطَّيِّبَاتُ السلام عليك أيها النبي ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام علينا وعلى إباد الله الصالحين يعني the Prophet ﷺ prohibit them from saying these words which were prohibited because they were a violation of Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat and then he told them why it is prohibited he said فَإِنَّ اللَّهِ هُوَ السَّلَامِ it is prohibited to ask for salam on Allah when Allah is at salam yani Allah is the one who you ask salam from not that you supplicate for him that salam should be upon him so he told them the reason why it is prohibited and then he also gave them the correct expression he also gave them the correct expression that should be used yani in this situation if somebody is praying then they should say at-tahiyatu lillahi and this is the way if they wanted to greet Allah this is what they should say that all words of praise and glorification and exaltation that they are for Allah all words of showing the perfection of Allah and the glorification of Allah they are for Him and all types of worship is for Allah and all good deeds or good actions they are for Allah this is what the Prophet ﷺ said that one should say so here we see the excellence of the manner of teaching of the Prophet ﷺ that he not only prohibited them informed them of what was prohibited when he found them doing that which was not allowed he told them don't do it it is prohibited he explained to them why it is prohibited and he also gave them a substitute what is the proper thing that should be said or should be done in that situation uh, concerning As-Salam yani the scholars made a lot of comments concerning it and one of the comments that they have said is that As-Salam it means the one who is salam min kulli eeb wa naqs the one who is free from every defect or, or, or imperfection or shortcoming and the one who has no likeness or no similarity and he is the one who also protects his servants from any harm uh, coming to them. This is the meaning of As-Salam as the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen said that As-Salam is the ism Thubuti and Salbi. Yani it is a name that is Thubuti meaning is of those names that are confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a characteristic that is confirmed. It is a name that is confirmed containing a characteristic that is confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is also Salbi. Yani its meaning is the negation of any type of imperfection or shortcoming in reference to his being, his that, or his sifat, his characteristics, or his af'al, his actions, or his ahkam, his rulings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from any type of imperfection whatsoever. Shaykh al-Qar'awi says concerning this hadith, he said that here Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu has informed us that the companions of the Prophet sallallahu and he is one of them, when they used to pray with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they used to say in their taslim, in the giving salam, in tashahud, at tashahud al-akhir, they used to say as-salam ala Allah. And they used to also export salam on some of the people, and the Prophet ﷺ prohibited them from doing so. Uh, and that was because he said, as-salam, it is dua lil-musallam alayhi bis-salama. As-salam, it is dua, it is a supplication for the one who the salam is given to, it is a supplication for him, for that one that they have salam, safety and security and protection from any harm 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is free of need of such. Allah doesn't need anybody to supplicate for Him that He be protected from any defect or shortcoming or harm coming to Him. For He is the one who controls as-salama, safety and protection and security and peace. Therefore, it is from Him that as-salama is sought and He is not the one that one should seek salama for Him. Yani, Allah doesn't need that anybody should supplicate for his salama, but they should supplicate to him for salama, for themselves and for others. Then the shaykh says, the benefits from this hadith, he mentioned four. The first of them is the prohibition of saying as-salam ala Allah. And this prohibition indicates that it is prohibited. Uh, the second of them is that when Islam prohibits us from something, then it, we are also guided to that which would make us free of need of that thing. If Allah prohibits us from something, then He also guides us to that which is sufficient for us, so that we have no need of that thing which He has prohibited. In this case, the Prophet ﷺ taught them what to say in place of saying, As-salamu ala Allah. The third point is that As-salam is a name, one of the names of Allah, one of the Asma'ullah al-Husna. As-salam is one of the beautiful names of perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, the, prohibit, the permissibility of supplicating for the creatures while you are in Salat. And it is, it is permissible to supplicate for someone while you are in Salat, as the Prophet ﷺ told them to say, As-salamu alayna wa ala salihin, and so on. Uh, then he said that the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of this expression, of this supplication of saying, As-salamu ala Allah, peace be upon Allah. In the relationship of this hadith to the general topic of a tawheed, meaning tawheed al-asma wa sifat, the names of Allah and its characteristics, is that this hadith indicates that uh, saying, asking for salam for Allah, that it is a negation of tawheed. Asking for Allah to be protected from harm or defect or imperfection. This is a negation of a tawheed. And that is because this salam, it is a supplication that someone be free of defects or imperfection. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free of such an idea. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He only has the characteristics of perfection. Therefore, there is no need to supplicate for Him to be free from such. Uh, the Masail that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned at the end of this chapter, They are five. The first of the Masail that he mentioned at the end of this chapter is Tafsir As-Salam, yani the explanation of As-Salam. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab says the explanation of this point, in reference to it, he said, concerning As-Salam as a name, as one of the names of Allah, its meaning is the one who is free from shortcoming or imperfection. Yani as-salam, as a name from the names of Allah, its meaning is that He is the one who is free from shortcoming or imperfection. In reference to as-salam as a greeting, because this salam is a name of Allah and it is also a means of greeting. As a greeting, He said it has two meanings. The first of them is that you greet somebody with the name salam, as-salam alayk, yani meaning the name of Allah. The name of Allah is salam that it should be for you, 
should, yani that what it indicates or the effect of, of Allah's name, we said that it affects his creatures, some of his names, therefore that you should have the effect of this name upon you. The other meaning is, the other meaning of as-salam is at-taslim, at-taslim. And this meaning of salam is like the meaning of kalam. As-salam, it means taslim, just as al-kalam means taklim. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Qur'an, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا Taklima, it means speech, just like kalam means speech. It is a masdar, infinitive. So here, as-salam also, it is a masdar, like taslim. The meaning of it here is taslim. As-salam means taslim, meaning that it is intended by it a supplication that I ask Allah that you be safe. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you safe and that He protect you from harm. Yani the two meanings of as-salam in reference to it being a greeting is that it means may as-salam, the name of Allah be upon you and the other meaning is that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whose name is salam, may He protect you from harm or any evil coming to you. The second issue it is أنه تحية يعني that as-salam is a greeting and that we have already just discussed on the previous point that salam is not only a name of Allah but it is also a greeting it is a means of greeting the third point أنها لا تصلح لله that such a greeting it is not proper it is not fitting that it be used to Allah that we say as-salam ala Allah it is not fitting and if it is not fitting for Allah then it is prohibited to use such an expression the fourth point the reason, al-illatu fi dharik. What is the reason why it is not fitting? It is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the Prophet sallallahu said, who is salam? And he himself is salam, so it is not fitting to supplicate for him for salam when he is the source of salama, or safety and security and perfection. The fifth issue is ta'alimuhum al-tahiyya allati tasluhu lillah. That the Prophet, his way of teaching the people, or his teaching them the tahiyya or the greeting that is fitting for Allah. The Prophet ﷺ, when he told them that this greeting is not fitting for Allah, then he taught them the greeting that is fitting for Allah. And that is what is mentioned in the narration of Imam Muslim. He said that if any one of you prays, فَلْيَقُولْ تَحِيَّةِ لِلَّهِ وَالصَّلَوَاتُ وَالطَّيِّبَاتِ That you should say that all words of praise and glorification are for Allah and all acts of worship and all good deeds are for Him. And here the Shaykh Muhammad Nisal Rahimahullah says that in this point there is an indication of the excellence of the teaching method of the Prophet And he said it is from two perspectives. One of them is that when the Prophet prohibited them from doing something, he also taught them the reason why it is prohibited. And this is so that the human being can be comfortable with the ruling of something being prohibited. If he knows the reason why it is prohibited, it is easier for him to accept it. And likewise, it shows the excellence of the Islamic Sharia that all of its commandments and prohibitions are accompanied by a hikmah or a wisdom or a reason why they are commanded or why they are prohibited. And number three, also the benefit of teaching them the reason for the prohibition or the commandment in the case where we are commanded to do something is that we may make piyat or analogy between that thing which has been prohibited and whatever shares the same illa or the same cause. If we find something else that has the same reason, it contains the same reason for which we have been prohibited from this thing, then we can make piyas and say that that thing is also prohibited. If we know that intoxicants is prohibited because it causes the mind of the person to 
become foggy and he can't think properly. Then if we know anything else that has the same effect on the mind of the human being, by analogy, if we know the reason why it is prohibited, then we can make analogy and know that other things which are similar to it, in the cause for its prohibition, that they are also prohibited. Uh, and the second point he said in concerning the Prophet ﷺ, his way of teaching the people, that he taught them the reason why it was prohibited, and he also, when he prohibited them, he also clarified for them what was allowed, yani what they should have been saying instead of what they were saying. Uh, as for the questions at the end of this section of this chapter, the first of those questions is what is the relationship of this hadith to the subject of At-Tawheed. And the relationship of this hadith to the subject of At-Tawheed is that this hadith makes us to know that asking for salam or salama on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a suggestion that Allah, that some harm could come to him or that he could have some shortcoming or imperfection which is a nullification or a negation of the uh, Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat. Yani in the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, we know that Allah's Sifat are all perfect. Therefore, we cannot uh, act that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be protected from imperfection or shortcoming or any harm, that He be and He safe and protected from harm when we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot be harmed. And the idea that He can be harmed or that He can have a shortcoming is a negation of Tawheed in Asma wa Sifat. Discuss the circumstances around in this hadith. The circumstances around this hadith or the asbab and nuzul or the asbab any of this for the wurud of this hadith, how it came is that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, when they were in prayer, they used to give or they used to supplicate for salam on the people and they also used to greet Allah with this greeting of as-salam ala Allah. That was the circumstances of this hadith and the Prophet ﷺ, understanding that this was a negation of tawheed he prohibited them from doing so. What is meant when someone says to another, Assalamu alaikum? The meaning of this is that they are either supplicating that Allah's name, Assalam, be upon them, or they are supplicating, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is Assalam? They are asking Allah who is Assalam. They are asking Him to give uh, security or safety or protection to that one who they are greeting with such, a, with such words, which is and a greeting and it is also a supplication and some of the scholars also said that from this uh, supplication or this greeting we can understand that a person is saying also when they greet someone with assalamu alaikum that they are saying to that person that no harm would come to you from me you are safe from me assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you what is the meaning of assalam as an ism or a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as one of the names of Allah assalam it means the one who is free from any shortcoming or imperfection. And likewise means the one who is free of having anyone or anything being similar to him. Anyone or anyone being similar to him. And likewise it also means that yani as the name of Allah it means the one who grants safety and peace and protection and security to his creatures. And yani Allah is the source of as-salama is the source of peace and safety and security. Number five, why were the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'in, prohibited from saying as-salamu ala Allah? They were prohibited from this expression because although they meant it as a greeting, but in fact the true meaning of it, which they didn't intend, 
it is a negation of the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reference to His perfect names and characteristics. And that Allah's characteristics are only perfect. Therefore, such a thing is not applicable to Him. But He is the one who one should supplicate to for oneself or for others to have safety and protection and security. Mention one benefit from this hadith related to the Prophet Sallallahu manner of teaching others Yani, the benefit that Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, mentioned is that in this hadith we understood something of the excellence of the Prophet Sallallahu manners of teaching in that when he prohibited the people from a saying that was forbidden, he explained to them why it was forbidden so that they could understand it and accept it and be at rest with that prohibition. And then not only that, but he went further than that and also instructed them what they should be saying. Yani the proper way to greet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this shows the excellence of the manner of the Prophet in teaching. And it is a manner that we should follow when we teach others. If you prohibit someone from something, you should explain to them why it is prohibited. If we know the hikmah or the reason, buy it in the sharia. And if you prohibit someone from something, you should also give them the alternative, what they should be doing then. Don't just leave them that with this thing being prohibited and they not know what they should be doing. But we should also show them the right way. When we tell them that something is wrong, we should give them the correct alternative. Uh, this is the end of I mean, what we wanted to say, although there was some comments from some of the other scholars from their books, Explanation of Tawheed, but perhaps the time will not allow. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك. إذا any questions from the brothers or sisters, any comment or correction, perhaps quickly we can look at them. As for those books, uh, as for those books which mention the names of Allah, and they say if you say this name ten times or fifty times or a thousand times, there would be some benefit. As far as I know, in Allahu Alam, Allah knows best. Uh, there's no basis for these uh, books and what they said in those books. As long as they didn't quote any hadith from the Prophet sallallahu then we can feel secure that they have no basis. That these are just their own imaginations. And they have imagined these things. However, if there is a proof in the sunnah that saying a name of Allah so many times will bring some benefit, that is another matter. But most of those books, as far as what I have seen, they have no basis. They don't give any proof of what they say, and we didn't find any proof of what they have said. However, again, if we found in the sunnah a proof from the Prophet ﷺ that saying a certain name so many times will give some benefit, as reciting Surah al uh, ikhlas or reciting the ayat of kursi or so and so there is some benefit then we accept it and we follow it and we will uh, act accordingly otherwise without such proof then we will reject it uh, the sisters have some questions perhaps we should give them priority uh, uh, alaykum. can we say can we say salam to the dead like in such cases when you visit in the cemetery or during the funeral rite jazakumullah khair the supplications that are said at the cemetery when anyone is passing the cemetery or visiting the cemetery and in the Salat of Janazah are well known from the Sunnah and 
I, I'm not aware that there is any supplication that you should say. Uh, oh yeah, there's um, there's some supplication for the person passing the cemetery for saying salam, and of course here the meaning of salam uh, for the person who is dead it is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will protect them or give them safety and security from any harm coming to them, and that harm is, yani, it would be from their deeds what they have done in this world and the consequences that they will face in the next life. Um, in Arabic, what is the expression for acceptance of repentance? Wujub. Wujub? Acceptance of repentance? The expression for acceptance of repentance is Qubul At-Tawbah. And that is a general expression. As for Wujub, I don't know the last part of the question, Wujub. Anyway, it, uh, normally you would say acceptance of repentance, Qubul At-Tawbah. Uh, please remind students about some of the virtues and spirits of the first ten days of Dhul Hijjah. And these legislated in these days, mention the Eid feast here at the center on the first day of Eid and the class, the class next week. And is there a class next week? Yani, we know that these days, the first ten days of Dhul Hijjah are special days. The Prophet said that there are no days in which righteous deeds done in them are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these days, meaning the first ten days of the month of Dhul Hijjah. And they asked the Prophet, "Wala al-jihad fi Not even jihad fi And the Prophet said, "Not even jihad fi is better than good deeds done in these days, except the one who goes out with himself and his wealth, and he doesn't return min dalika bishayin. And he didn't return with anything of that, any meaning that he lost his wealth and his self fi Then that is the only thing that is better. So in these days, yani the best of deeds is Hajj and Umrah. In these days." And also fasting, because fasting is the special deed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has and he made special for himself. And giving charity and making repentance and dhikr and dua, dua to Qur'an and a takbir, especially in these days and particularly from the 9th and in the day of Arafat from Salat al-Fajr until after on the last day of the A.M. al-Tashriq, the 13th. Uh, and inshallah we'll have a program on the, on the day of the Eid, yani the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah, after the day of Arafat we'll have a program any for the brothers and sisters and children uh, in the morning and lunch at Doha time ta'ala on the day of the Eid that is the 10th and is there a class next week next week on Thursday no there is no class inshallah next week the brothers have any comments before we leave there are, there are some uh, uh, flyer here there is a flyer here about the 10 days of of Dhul uh, Hijjah if somebody didn't get a copy there are a few copies remaining سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك